Welcome to the Incremental Revival Podcast, where our goal is to help you, our church members, better understand the what and the why behind all that we do here at Grace Church of Rancho Cucamonga, all the hopes and the expectations that the Lord will use our small acts of faithfulness. That's what we mean by incremental revival, for his glory and for his purposes. I'm here today, Michael Shera, with Pastor Eric, as always. Hello. We're recording on a fine Monday afternoon. And today we're continuing on. Um, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. We did a bit of an overview two episodes ago. Last episode, we talked about um, the discipline. We're, we're kind of talking about three key categories here. And the first one was Bible intake we talked about. And today that leads us to talking about prayer. The discipline of prayer. We've talked about prayer in the past in different ways, um, but we're focusing in on it again. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, this is a discipline. It's something that we need to practice. We need to work at. We need to train ourselves in it. It's not always something that comes naturally. It's not something that we just drift into. And so, yeah, it is a spiritual discipline. And... um, yeah, the quality of our spiritual lives will be largely related to how we pray, whether we pray. You know, our relationship with God is, um, if we're going to have a relationship with God, we need to pray. We need to talk to him. We need to speak and share our lives with him, bringing our things, our requests, our burdens to him. So we need to learn to pray. And that's to say, you're basically saying prayer is necessary for the Christian life. Yep. You cannot live a Christian life without prayer. Prayer is like breathing. Think of it like the the baby that's born. First few minutes of this baby's life, the first thing that it needs to do for it to be a healthy baby is it's got to start breathing. Absolutely. If it's not breathing, it's not living. And in the same way, as a person is brought to spiritual life, mm-hmm. the new birth occurs. The first act of the new birth is prayer. It's crying out to God. It's calling upon his name. Salvation comes by calling upon the name of the Lord. Prayer. Amen. And then our life is sustained and we grow by calling upon the name of the Lord. That's prayer. So, yeah, you cannot live the Christian life apart from depending on God, and we depend on God by calling out to him. Absolutely. I think I said it last time, but Michael Reeves has that quote that I love in Authentic Ministry. The the Christian life is like breathing, inhaling scripture, the Bible, and exhaling in prayer. You need both. God speaking to you. And you're going to suffocate without either of them. Yep. Right? You have to breathe in, but you also have to breathe out. Otherwise, you're just holding your breath. And so prayer is a mark of dependence on God. I think he says within the same paragraph there that it's basically, and this is a paraphrase, the most clear mark and example of depending upon God in our daily lives. Yeah. Who you are in your prayer life is really who you are. And you can fake a lot of different things um, in public, but you can't fake a private prayer life. That Mm -hmm. is something that either exists or doesn't exist. And if you don't have a private prayer life, you likely don't have a private life of worship. And, and that's um, obviously a problem for someone who claims to be a worshiper of the one true God. 
our, our lives are lived not only in the pub public sphere, but also in the private mm -hmm. sphere. And, and so, yeah, I, I think it was J.I. Packer who, who made that really great statement in, in the book, knowing God, but your, um, the, yeah, the quality of your Christian life is, is largely, uh, demonstrated in how or whether you pray. So true. John 15, five, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the van, you're the branches. I said the wrong word there. The branches, the, the, ban <laughs> the branches. Oh yeah. I am the vine, you are the branches. Um, and he says to abide in him, to yeah. remain in him because apart from him, you can do nothing. Yeah. The idea that we need the Lord and in prayer, perhaps one of the ways that we remain in him and in Christ and steadfast in our walk with him is through prayer and the constant acknowledgement that we need his power, his provision, his help in all of life. Yeah. And prayer is also, it, it is, it is kind of like the emergency walkie talkie where we're calling in for troops. We're calling in for help. We're calling in for backup. Like we have access to God. And so we should always be asking for help for the various mm -hmm. things in our lives. But also it's just more of a relational thing. Like yes. he's my, he's my father. So I talk to him. I share my thoughts, my concerns and mm -hmm. burdens with him. And so if I really do believe that God is my father and I want to live in that reality, live out of that reality, then that means I am not just coming to him when the need is dire, but whatever I might be going through, good or bad. Um, I think this is what Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. Yeah. Everything you're doing, you just, you're bringing it Godward. You're thinking of it in terms of your relationship with God. It's true. It's true. And it's interesting when we are prayerless, it's like if when a father gets home from work every day, I mean, that's when you're most naturally going to speak to your children. You just got the cold shoulder. Your children said nothing to you when you got home. They woke up. They didn't even think you were there. You got home. You left for work. You got home. And, and the same is happening. Like something's wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, what's my desire as a father who loves my children? To speak to them, to hear from them. What's going on? What do you need help with? How can I bless you? Can, can I speak to you? Can, can I help you? And that's, I, I think as a good father, that's God's desire to hear from us and then to provide for us. Yeah. And, and so the, the hard reality is if our prayer life is weak, we probably don't love God as much as we think we do. Mm. So we want to be open about that, honest to confess that and ask for God to warm our hearts and increase our love for him. Perhaps we think he's distant when he isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, prayer is this everyday part of the Christian life. It should be happening naturally, unceasingly. It should be part of how we depend on him. It should be relational. Um, but what we want to talk about is the the discipline of the prayer. The discipline of prayer. And to kind of help you if you're thinking about, okay, I want to learn how to pray. Um, I don't even know how to pray or I have a, I struggle with knowing what to pray for, things yeah, like I, that. Um, I pray, but I think there's more I can pray. But I yeah. don't know what. So, so how would you begin to help someone who's going, I, I know I should, I don't really 
do it very much, where would you tell them to start teaching them how to pray? Go to scripture. If you're a Christian, a lot of times the answer for your questions is in the Bible, but um, where can you go? Uh, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray in Matthew, Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer. You you preached one sermon or multiple sermons on the Lord's Prayer? Uh, two, I think. Two? That was 2018. Yeah, I remember listening to it then and it being impactful. Yeah. Um, that's where we're told to call upon God as our Father who's in heaven. Yep. To honor him in our prayers and reverence, hallowed be your name, to yep. pray for his purposes. Well, that 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 prayer is so helpful because it's not only um a short, pithy, easy to memorize, understand prayer, but it's also kind of a template for how what exactly. kinds of things we should be praying about. And so if we uh just kind of look at the various categories or look at what he prays for and make those into categories. So starting with addressing him as a father and then praying that his name is hollowed, understanding the first and fundamental priority of all our prayers mm-hmm. is that God is glorified, recognized as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so praying for God's work and will to be done here and whatever we're doing. Um, and then he later, you know, second part of it starts asking for the more daily needs, give us this day our daily bread, lead us not into temptation, things like that. Which Forgive is, us our sins. There's confession in there. They're so instructive. Yeah. And all of those things can help, or as we understand them, all of them shape our prayers. Mm-hmm. And so if we tend to be the kind of people that just pray for our immediate physical needs, then that prayer kind of instructs us a little bit like, no, that's not illegitimate. You can't pray for that. Yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. Our That's physical daily needs. But that's not the number one priority. That's not the first thing. The first number one thing is um, coming to him as a father and desiring his glory. Absolutely. It's your, not, not my will be done, but yours. It's what's meant to drive our lives, and so it's what should drive our prayers. I think of um, Paul's prayers, which yeah. we've got down here as an example. And when I think about Paul's prayers and I think of a, just a defining mark, no, it feels like often, no matter what he's praying for, the glory of God and the exaltation of Christ is of massive importance. Oh, and yeah. he might be praying for individuals or telling people how to pray. And yet it's like God is big on the scene no matter what. Yeah, he's, he's even wanting to encourage them for whatever good he sees in them. But he brings it Godward. I thank God for you. Yeah, always. Thank God for what he's done in your life. Yeah, so. Um, so yeah, that's another one. So read through the epistles of Paul and study his prayers. What does he pray for? Ephesians three would be a good example that you just taught through recently. End of Ephesians one, Ephesians three, Philippians one, um, yeah, Colossians one, almost the first chapter of most of his letters (laughs) are just begin with prayer. It's a good example. Actually plug DA Carson's book, praying with Paul. If you really want to study it, run a good book that digs into it is also very practical. I loved that book. In addition um, to Paul's prayers, you could also go to the Psalms. Yeah. Um, you could think of the book of Psalms in some sense as a book of prayers. Yeah. Many of them are, some of them were used in different contexts, but many of them are prayers and the expression of prayers in, I mean, oftentimes the life of David, but others as well. In trial, in good times, um, they teach us how to 
acknowledge the Lord, to worship him for his works, for his greatness, to continually trust in him, regardless of circumstances. And there are myriad circumstances in the Psalms. Yeah, I mean, think of Psalms as like every individual Psalm, there's 150 of them, is its own shade, its own hue, its own Mm -hmm. color. And in isolation, you have one color, but when you put them all together, it's this beautiful panorama of, you have the dark ones, like the laments, like Psalm 88. Mm -hmm. You have the Psalms of rejoicing and praise. You have the Psalms that identify with the oppressed, the victims, the ones that have been abused, like Psalm 10. Psalms Um, of confession, like Psalm 51. Yeah, so, so whatever human experience you can imagine, there's a Psalm for that. And every Psalm is, is inspired by God given to us to kind of help us give voice to whatever human experience we're going through. And so, yeah, if you're sad, if you're happy, if you're uh, confessing sin, uh, rejoicing, there's a Psalm that'll help shape your words and your approach to God. So if you want to learn, um, yeah, to pray, Pray through the Psalms. Use the Psalm as a prayer prayer guide and go through it and turn them into your own prayers. Absolutely. Eric, when we pray though, and and perhaps some obstacles to people's prayer or what we might call pitfalls, misunderstandings, they kind of get in our way. Like, you know what? I don't think I should pray because, and then people give a reason because they have a, a misconception of prayer. What might some of those misconceptions or pitfalls be? Yeah, I do think that's true. Like people are discouraged and they think they're failing because they have certain expectations that they've put on themselves that they don't meet and mm. then they feel bad. So they think for one, I think one one is, and this is a common one in our day and age, that prayer has to be this experience that I mm. have. And when I pray, I really feel it. And there's high level of emotions involved. There's tears there's um, tuning out the world and thoughts are so focused on the things that I'm praying for. Must be a quiet place. No one must be around. And, and praise the Lord. Gotta be the perfect situation. Praise the Lord if we have those kinds of experiences, but I don't know that we should see them as normative and therefore that we're failures if we don't have highly emotional prayer times. Yeah. Pr- um, prayer is worshipful. And so I think it will be impactful doesn't mean it's some crazy experience. Yeah. we And we just are way overly emotion. Like everything we evaluate by what kind of emotions we feel when we do it. Right. And so. How deceptive is that? Yeah. I have high and positive emotions. Therefore, this is good. I have low or somewhat negative emotions. Therefore, this is bad. And that's a lie. Yeah. And you, we, we shouldn't so instinctively trust ourselves. Yeah. So you can pray. Honestly, sincerely, biblically, and have little emotional, um, you know, you're tired, you're, you're going through a lot, and, and in the moment, your, your emotions aren't as attuned to the things you're praying for. You know, yeah, we should aim to rejoice in what, what the Bible says we should rejoice in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should aim to cultivate a warmth of heart, but... Don't call yourself a failure for um, not having these ecstatic prayer times. Yeah. Sometimes Um, you have to trudge through it when life is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So 
don't don't begrudge it and um keep yeah, praying that's good. recognize your prayers still are heard like if my child is sad and grieving and, and comes and talks to me and can hardly get the words out because of the grief does that make me like oh you you you, you don't have, turn away because you of don't that. talk to me that way yeah you know put a smile on that face and come back when you're uh, really excited to see me then i'll really be ready to answer all your prayers it's like god is an infinitely better father than any one of us and he leans in to the the hurting to the struggler to the one who can't conjure up the emotions that he knows he ought to feel um Eric, so that's that's one thing do i need to have a high iq or a large vocabulary to pray uh no you don't michael so you're safe praise the lord <laughs> I didn't mean that to set myself up so well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll mark you as safe as well. You're all okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I think this is probably um, maybe picked up by some people. They hear godly, uh, mature Christians pray and they go, I could never pray like that. I, I don't think that way. I, I don't, don't pray that know way. those words. What does that even mean? Um, yeah, I, I don't. And so they feel L- yeah. large words and certain kinds of words are not a mark of Christian maturity even. Yeah. They're just not. Yeah. So you don't need to be eloquent. In fact, Jesus makes that clear that sometimes that's what the, uh, the Pharisees the would Pharisees go on the street would, corners and, yeah. and pray these el- just elaborate, illustrative, prayers. elaborate prayers. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I think this probably more inhibits people in their public praying. So like. I agree. If, I think sometimes in private though too. Yeah, probably because both. oh, I'm just kind of stammering, and yeah. I don't like I don't know what to say to God, and yeah. I don't sound like the people I've heard pray, and they must always pray that way. Yeah, so that's that's true. That happens, but also then, um, you know, opportunities to pray in a little group or opportunities to pray in a in a service. Yeah, it, we are concerned that we won't sound a certain way, and. We think it needs to be eloquent for it to be valuable to God. Mm-hmm. Which is and just not true. That's not true. He, the, he honors even the most simple prayers, e- even to the extent that we know that when we are unsure how to pray, the spirit prays on our behalf yeah. with groanings even too deep for words. Yeah. So he hears the cry of the heart, even when our words are not quite there. Yeah. What about, Eric, the reality that, you know, a prayer needs to be 60 seconds long to count. Is that true? Or or maybe five minutes? Does no. God hear it if it meets a certain requirement? Yeah, so I, I really- a, a certain- I want to say a couple of things with related to the length of the prayer. I would say on one hand, um, it is a pitfall. If we, are, we fall in the trap thinking in order to be valuable, prayers must be long. I think if that's what we say, then we discount Paul's prayers, which yeah. take 30 seconds to read. We discount Jesus's prayer, which takes 15 seconds to read and to pray. When he taught his disciples to pray, he gave them a prayer that you can literally recite yeah. in under a minute. I think of Spurgeon's short prayer that he prayed every step on the way up to his pulpit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So so all those prayers are invalid if length is an issue. Um, or I like in Nehemiah when he's standing before the king and he wants to request to the to the king to go back and rebuild the walls, but he wants the favor of the king. He knows it rests on the king letting him do it. 
And so the king asks him, um, why is your face sad? And then there's that little, like almost like a side comment where it says, and then I prayed to the king of heaven. And then he answers the question of the king. I want to go back and build mm-hmm. walls. So some, <laughs> that prayer had to fit somewhere between the king's question, why are you sad? And his answer, I want to go back to Jerusalem. His prayer fit right in there and God answered it. You can think a lot faster than you can speak. Yeah. So his <laughs> his mind just had the thought through it Godward and, and God heard his prayer. And um and so no, like on the other hand, I wouldn't want to demean prayer at all and say, Well, so it doesn't matter how long. Um, and then give people excuses to be prayerless. Mm. Like then they say, Well, okay, if length is not an issue, as long as I just I just um you know, th- have have thoughts of prayer throughout the day, but they never set aside time. Yeah, Jesus set aside time to pray. He was up early. In we see it often. One. He'd go off to pray. Get out out of and you know, here's the Son of God, perfect without a sin nature, and He knows He needs to pray. He, mm-hmm. We are fallen and corrupt and and how with a sin more? nature. And how much more do we need to pray? And so, if Jesus felt the need to get away from the hustle and bustle of His ministry. We, we should do the same, and I think this is just verified in Scripture and then verified in church history that godly people have time devoted to private prayer. This is true. So, so yes, on, on one hand, prayer length is not the issue. Um, on the other hand, we have a lot of things to pray, pray for. Oh, like yeah. if your eyes are open, there's so much to be praying for. And so it does just take time. Mm-hmm. And so we should give adequate time to all the various things. It's one of the key ways you can discipline yourself for godliness, like we've talked about. Yeah. Um, it requires discipline. I, I think oftentimes people could sit in our church service and sit through a prayer of supplication that takes five minutes and it feels perhaps unbearably long. Yeah. But if you were to go and you were to list out the things perhaps that you should be praying for today, and even just the things that you can praise God for today and where that might lead you in your prayer, if you try to set aside undistracted time, you'll find you can pray much longer than that. Mm-hmm. Start small. If, if you have a hard time praying, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about how to do this in a, in, a mil, in a moment, but start with a minute, set a timer, two minutes tomorrow, three minutes the next, I'm and just keep going keep a list of things to pray for pray for short prayers count and yet you'll be blessed by time in prayer yeah and to help you with this is to remember that your prayers don't have to be perfect in order to be effective amen so another pitfall i think is all of these that i'm listing are uh you know learning by experience in my own life because yeah. i think i've i have fallen and do fall into these traps from time to time but have you ever caught yourself praying and then you almost stop yourself to reword something to God? <laughs> <laughs> For me, I have, it's more like... I have definitely done that. And then I've thought to myself, no, he knows. Why am I... <laughs> what am I doing here? Yeah. I have um, been discouraged because I've felt that my mind is wandering to things too much. And, oh, sure. And, and actually, it was the book, Paul Miller's book on a praying life, which is mm. super helpful for me where... He, he just talks about God is your father and you're a child. And if something, if your mind keeps drifting to something, it's probably because you care about it. 
if you care about it, bring it to God. So like, true. Just let your mind drift. Like sometimes it's okay to let your mind drift. It, it, it's good to be focused, yeah. but it will happen. But sometimes if it, you keep like, for instance, let's say you're a, you've had a hard you know week parenting your kids. It's just, there's all kinds of issues. You're struggling with it. And you wake up in the morning, you're like, okay, I got to pray. And you start trying to pray about your heart. You're trying to give glory to God. You're trying to respond to whatever you've read in scripture. You're, you get your directory open, but every time you're trying to pray, your thoughts are just going to that conversation you had with your kid yesterday. And you're one, did I handle it right? How did they respond? What do we need to talk about next? And, and then you find yourself going that you're like, oh shoot, I was supposed to be praying. <laughs> okay. Let me ignore that and get back to As this. As if that's thing. unimportant. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe you, you don't need to feel bad and beat yourself up over that, but just to say, yeah, I really do care about this Lord. And just all those thoughts and concerns, turn them into prayers. And, and recognize you have never prayed a perfect prayer. You won't pray a perfect prayer because all of our prayers are tainted with our own humanness and fallenness yeah. and sin. And, uh, but we have an advocate. We have Jesus who sits at the right hand of the father, whoever intercedes for us. Yes. He is our great high priest interceding on our behalf. And so all my prayers are perfected in Christ, in Christ's praise for me. And that's what really matters. How remarkable. It's interesting to think about what you were just mentioning in our distracted prayers and things we, things we shy away to pray for. And we think, oh, I can't pray for that. Mm -hmm. That reality that God's our father. And what James says that every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights, comes from God himself. Yeah. Um, we should acknowledge that. And that is even the small things. Yeah. Like, like the things that you think might be a silly thing that you'd like to have and you know you don't need. It's okay to pray for that thing and see if God provides it. He may not, but he might take joy in having it be so clear to you that he's provided this thing for you. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I can just think of small things in my life that I've thought about and perhaps I've prayed for. Sometimes perhaps I haven't even prayed for, but clearly I can say the Lord the Lord has blessed in this way mm -hmm. and it should cause us to praise him and recognize that. And so you can pray for some of those things. Yeah. So, so yeah, some of these pitfalls, it's gotta be an experiment experience. It's gotta be eloquent. It's gotta be long enough. It's gotta be perfect, undistracted, all that. Don't let those deter you because they're not true. Yeah. I think we are more influenced. Like, so Jesus was talking about praying in Matthew six and he was, Telling them, don't pray long prayers. Don't pray, you don't need to be eloquent prayers. And uh, I actually think we are far more guilty of the things mm. that he's telling us not to do than we sometimes realize. And I have to pray long enough, passionately enough. It's like, no, your father already knows what you need. He already knows. And you just come to him as a child. You are not, he is not more persuaded by how passionate you are. True. He's not more persuaded how long you pray. He's not more persuaded by how perfect you prayed it, how undistractedly you prayed it. So I can say my prayer, and I know I can finish it and say, he has heard me. I don't need to repeat myself 10 times. 
in 10 different ways. I think sometimes that's what I also have done. I say the same thing 18 different ways. And I'm sure you didn't hear me last time. I didn't say it right. So yeah. let me go for it again. Not that, and I'm not talking about coming to God again and again and again in very different times with the same request. That's totally valid. I'm more saying in the context of one, as I'm giving my request to God, I'm saying it this way and then that way and this way and that way. It's like almost just filling this, the blank space because I think if I offer it in different ways, it's more likely. It's like it, how many it, lottery tickets can I buy? It is so true it's, that, it's, yeah, I do the same thing yeah. and it's comical almost. Yeah. Um, Eric, all of this though, we want to gear towards practic- practically cultivating a life of prayer. How, how can we do this? How can we become men and women of God devoted to prayer in our lives? Yeah. Um, here we've put as our first one, pray for a heart of prayer. Yeah. Pray, to, pray, pray to pray. Does God not want this for you? Yeah. Pray that God would help you pray. Say, Lord, help me to pray. Uh, the disciples asked, Jesus, yeah. help me to pray. Teach, teach us how to pray. You can pray this the same true. thing. Jesus, teach me to pray. Help. And he will help you. You should also plan it. You, yeah. you should say today or tomorrow, however you want to plan it, I'm going to pray at this time. And I'm going to devote this time to prayer because I want to develop this spiritual habit. I want to be disciplined in this way. I know it's important. Do you ever have doctor's appointments? I try to avoid them. So this is a bad illustration. Dentist? I also try to avoid that. Optometrist? I've never been. I have to get my, you know, I have to take my card to get an oil change. <laughs> is that a good one? Did you have an appointment? I just needed, I need some sort of context where you had an appointment and then the I, illustration will work. I'm averse to commitment, it appears. Apparently. Yes, I've made an appointment with the doctor before. Yeah, yeah, okay. To get so, a, yep. It's pretty important you to get there. You yes. set aside that time to make sure that this in was fact, taken care of. In fact, when Taylor had Asher, it was an appointment. Yeah. It was an induction. And you you made, you made got there on time. Uh-huh. You gave, Early. You're, you're saying, I am giving this time to meet with this important person because they can do me some good. You know, I'm going to miss, if I miss the doctor's appointment, I am going to miss something that will help me extravagantly. <laughs> I'm so averse to doctor's appointments. I'm just over here chuckling. But I, yes, you are correct. So, so therefore, I'm, I'm just making it a little analogy. We make appointments. We set our schedule. We say, I'm giving this period of time to this thing. We, all, impo- we all do that. If something's important, we're going to plan for it. And, You're and, not just going to hope it happens. Right. Therefore. Could you yeah. imagine if you had a cavity? I hope that the dentist comes around to me at some point. Yeah. I hope I'm going to. Maybe when I drive by, I'll just pop in. Yeah, just hop in there and do that. And you drive on the other street on purpose every day. But with God, um, the most important being in the universe, the one who loves us best and the one who can do most for us, the one who's most willing and to do And promises to work things for our good and for his glory. He says, come to me. And he wants us to pray to him, to talk to him. And so and he's infinitely should we put available. that on the calendar? Like, should we make time for that? Yes, and yes, and yes. Another thing you can do if you want to cultivate a life of prayer is use scripture as a guide. We kind of mentioned that. Yeah. What are some examples? How, how can we pray? Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Read through that. You could just recite it back, but maybe use it as a bit of a springboard as we talked about those categories. You could go to the Psalms. If you open up a Psalm and you read it, 
and you try to pray that psalm back to God, mm-hmm. um, I think you'll find it a fruitful exercise that leads you to pray all the more. Psalm 1 would be helpful for you. Um, that beginning section, praying that you are in fact like the blessed man who's not like the wicked, but loves God's law yeah. and then flourishes is what you pray for in that middle section. And then you would then pray for God to honor you on the final day. Yeah, so the, it's like um, if the Bible commends something, if the Psalm commends something, commend pray that, that same thing. Pray that you would commend it to. Pray, evaluate your own life in relation to it. It says, meditate on the word of God day and night. Lord, help me to do that. Yeah, Psalm one forty five is a really good example. If you just if you have a hard time, I don't know how to pray to God and praise Him in my prayers. Go to Psalm one forty five. Here's an example. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. Go ahead and just elaborate on that and pray to God. Yeah. Tell him that that is true and why it's true. It's good. Um, Another thing we would say is learn from others. Observe how they pray. Yes. Obviously, we already mentioned Jesus, David, uh, Paul. Paul, but also when the elders pray corporate and lead us in corporate prayer mm-hmm. and they, they put effort into that, they understand that they are also teaching and they are setting an example to the church for how to pray. What kind talking of talking about our prayers and our service on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And so listen to that. And um, if you're not sure what to do, imitate that start there. Um, yes. Use those as a guide to help you cultivate. Um, and then in relation to that, pray with them when they pray. Mm. When you're sitting in the church service, you don't be a passive observer of the prayers. Make those your own. So mentally, spiritually, as you're hearing them pray, you're saying, those are my words. Yes. Those are my prayers. And then say aloud the amen at the end of the prayer and make it clear. Amen. I, I agree. Amen. Yes. So true. And, you know, perhaps something you can cultivate as well is actually praying with others. I've known brothers who have decided I'm going to use my drive to work or my drive home to call somebody, pray with them, pray for them. Yeah. Um, I've seen brothers use their Sunday mornings in that way um, before and after church, but also showing up early to pray with other people for the church and for each other. Yeah. There's a number of ways you could do that. You can even just text people and say, how can I pray for you today? Yeah. Yeah, um, I uh, was on a phone call last week with two brothers just for the purpose of praying. I love we that. Just prayed for each other and called it a day. It is great. You mentioned earlier how Paul tells us to pray without ceasing First Thessalonians. Yes. And that is... That doesn't mean you're on your knees, bowed head, eyes closed for yeah, 24 Yeah, you, you won't get anything done that you're supposed to get done. But in everything that you're doing, all your thoughts are given to God and you pray through it all and you never give yeah. up doing that. And even moment by moment, offer those moments to the Lord in prayer. Um, And then when you pray, have that posture of a child who comes to their father freely, Mm -hmm. um, who doesn't feel like they have to be something, but they know their father loves them. And so therefore gladly comes um, and joyfully so. Prayer is meant to be something I think that produces joy in our lives. Yeah. So we hope this encourages you to pray, uh, to be disciplined to pray, pick that time, plan for it, make an appointment, open up the word of God, let that kindle your heart to pray. And then don't get too bogged down about how 
experiential it is or eloquent you are, how long or perfect the prayers are. Just bring like a child all what's on your heart to the Lord and and do that consistently in your life. And you'll see the Lord uses that to make you more like Christ and to accomplish much in the world through you. So let's be a praying people and uh, not only corporately, but in private. Amen. Your prayers are powerful. God uses them. We'll see you next time.